Yo, yo, it's your man, Jam C. What up, peeps? It's your girl, Shaw Money. And it's your Lord, Blue Bim. Yes, he's here. After his birthday week, you did turn it into a whole week, though, Blue Bim. I did. I did. The Lordship is back with us, and we are getting prepared for the other Libra in the studio's birthday. We're never going to hear the end of that. Shout out to all my Libra Nationers. Yes. Jam C's birthday is upon us. Uh, Lou oh, Bim is back. Tuesday. Oh, our guest is Tuesday. Wait. Another Libra. Another Libra? I'm born, overload. Born oh. leaders. Born overload. Leaders. I can't take it. I want, I want out. I want out. Scorpios, we don't like that. Nope, we're out. We're <laughs> out. But thanks, everybody, for chiming in with us and tuning in this week. Oh. Yeah, we're going to learn a little bit more about her. Come on, sit up to the table so we can see oh, your face. Okay. All right. So, fellas, nice yes, to be yes. back with you all again. Just the mic for okay. the MC here. Okay. MC. Um, fellas, how was your week this week? Anything interesting happen? I had a great week. Um, like anything wow. else, this, this is probably the best month uh, for black people, more importantly, uh, because what people don't may, not, may or may not know that Black History Month is being celebrated in the U.K., Yes. So, it's, it's, so for me, I'm celebrating Black History this month too. On top of being one of the greatest zodiac signs on the planet. Ooh. Shout out to T.I. Will Smith, Lil Wayne. You know, we Lou Bim. We we doing it. We Libras. And listen, it is also Hispanic Heritage Month too. So yes, we want is. to give a shout out to our Hispanic listeners and friends and family. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you guys as well. We will share some updates and some, you know, really interesting stats on the growth of the Hispanic community um, in the United States. I know one of the facts that I found um, in our research was that over the next five years, the Hispanic community is expected to grow at a, a much greater rate than any other race and culture. They will then, at least every year, it's going to grow 5%. That's what they're projecting. So... Shout out to all my Hispanic friends out there for the continued growth. Um, we appreciate and we respect your culture. And we're looking forward to learning more. So we have some guests out there that want to come up and tell us a little bit more about their Hispanic culture. It does not only have be it does not have to only be done during the month of Hispanic Culture Month. We would welcome you to come into the vocal lounge at any time. So shout out to you guys. Yeah. And you can email us at goingvocal at gmail.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O-C-A-L at gmail.com. Any chance he gets to show off his spelling bee skills from Why third grade. Okay, Queen of Angels, we appreciate you. But Lil Bim, how's your week been and your birthday and everything, sir? You're was... looking, are you tired? You're no, recuperating? No, I... Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely recuperating. <laughs> um, you know, a year older, you know, you get to reflect back on... How did I grow from the previous year? And, okay. And it being a milestone. Are you happy with the growth that you're seeing in your oh, life? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Nice. definitely. Nice. I got to cut my hair twice a week now. So, you know. Keep that hairline that <laughs> back no. behind the ears. <laughs> Keep it off. The hairline <laughs> is see where it's crazy. Now. It's crazy. <laughs> but um, it's just, you know, just reflecting back. And, and it's scary because when my daughter graduated, in what another five years? Oof. I'm be I'm gonna need a, a wheelchair to the ceremony. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not just high school. That's not even that's college. college. That's not even yeah. college. That's just high You'll school. be on a respirator in college. <laughs> it's all right, but we'll take a lot of pictures and put them Thank in you. there. Thank you. Thank you. Take a lot of pictures. Don't don't send it on the internet because I ain't gonna be able to work it. <laughs> I ain't gonna know how to work it then. Just so we take pictures and print them, you know what I'm saying? But uh how was your week, Sha? You know what? I had a really good week. I had lunch today with my niece. Nice. Happy birthday. She is a Libra as well. My niece, Tyranny. Happy birthday. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, it was, I, I am surrounded by a lot of Libras. It was both of my goddaughter's birthdays. So, shout out to Lonnie for turning 17. And then Tiana Capri turned 23. And then followed by my niece. So I'm libra out. Libra um, gang, we're gang. getting ready yeah. for the Scorpio season, which you know your favorite girl, Shot Money, runs that, runs that spot. So I'm going to let these Libras, and I'm going to give an early shout out to my sweetheart, Tanisha. She is a Libra. She didn't oh. want to do anything. She's 
She's not a leaf. My other friend, Tanisha, was here with us. She was a guest on the show. The CEO of Onaji Hair Studio. So her birthday, we're going to give her early birthday shout out. Um, And that's going to conclude all of the Libra celebrations for this month. I'm over it. Wait, Um, no, let me give you my cash app. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the common trend now everybody wants to give uh their cash up but um yes had a great week really excited about this month being a focus for breast cancer so Mm -hmm, i'm donning my pink we're going to continue to um participate in breast cancer awareness i know we're going to be doing the walk this year so if you're in the Essex county area don't forget check out the dates on the city's website for walks and if you are outside of the new jersey area i'm sure that your local uh, constituency will have something up on your state and local city websites about breast cancer and awareness. And then if you can, please, ma'am, please, sir, please donate. Please donate. It is really important. But I would be remiss if we did not recognize that we have a guest in the vocal lounge with us. Yes. So we'd like to introduce you to Mr. Ronnie Long, who you are going to learn a lot more about over the next two segments. So, Ronnie, how was your week? My week started off great. Okay, to the 88th birthday. That's oh, what's up? Oh, one, one Libra. We gave her a very, she said it was her best birthday party ever. Oh, wow. My mom was a retired cop. Okay. So Where was she a police officer she at? She was the first black deputy um, in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia history. Wow. She was a detective. Wow. Legacy. And what's your mom's name? What'd you My mind? mom's name is Mama Lou. Mama, Mama Lou. Lou. Okay. Louise Long. Louise Long. Yeah, Look her up. Filled up the sheriff's department. So some cops, they came in and they took the pictures with her. She's like, in heaven. Oh, My mom's awesome. a cop 24-7. Okay. Mm. But I'm babysitting her because, you know, she's older and physically. I just came from Florida. Stayed down there three months taking care of her. You know, okay. it's like counting her out. So today, she just wants to drive. We're on our way up here. Whoa, where, where's mom at? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll show you some tape. Going down but gotcha. anyway, that's how my week Well, we want you to but talk into the mic because we okay. don't want anybody to miss anything. It sounds some- sound okay. like Mama Lou whooped some ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> day, she is a She'll tell you all her kids are senior citizens. Wow. wow. That's that's that. Thank dad. God. That is yeah. a that's blessing. A blessing. So, guys, you know, all of our listeners and subscribers and viewers, you know, we are very fortunate to bring in very interesting and compelling stories by way of the vocal lounge and today will be no different mm-hmm. mr ronnie long wrongfully incarcerated 37 years we just wow. want y'all to take a moment so we're talking about a man who has been wrongfully convicted incarcerated fighting for his life for 37 years and you thought that gas you had last week was the first thing that could happen right who knew right um so today again we are very fortunate to have mr ronnie long in here some of you may or may not have seen him on some news and media outlets Mm -hmm. telling his story Mm -hmm. continuing to fight for justice for others who have been also wrongfully incarcerated but we're going to take that journey today with mr long and learn more about first of all who he is who is the man ronnie long what was the unfortunate circumstance that he came into contact with and how did he turn that around and the work that he continues to do for others um, that are in the prison system. Um, is it only New Jersey that you no, work with? Wow, all over. all over the United States. So we're also going to, today on today's show, and when we post this show, we're going to post Mr. Long's information and how you can get in contact with him mm-hmm. um, if you should know of someone who might be in need of services. But we want to be clear. This is not for your cousin who got a parking ticket and trying to get out of this is real justice reform that we're that this gentleman is working on. So with that being said, we already know y'all don't want to hear too much from me. But Mr. Long, tell us who you are, Ronnie. Tell okay. us where you hail from. My name is Ronnie Long. I'm from Philly, born and raised. Okay, y'all heard that Philly swag. Uh, y'all heard that Philly swag. That young boy. Yeah. Uh, I was locked up at the age of twenty-four. And accused of murder, armed robbery, shootings in Atlantic City. I had nothing to do with it. I Tell was, us where, about your home life and, okay. and where you, what you do. What did you do back in Philly? Did you work? Okay. Did you I, play yes. sports? I, I had work. No, not sports. I'm sports illiterate. <laughs> sports illiterate. I worked on a ship. I, I was in the Marine Corps. I went in the Marine Corps. Okay. Thank you for your service. Thank you. 
And after the Marine Corps, I got a job on a ship for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. I was a cook on a ship. Mm-hmm. And I traveled different places around the country, civil service. Uh, and then that just came to an end one day. My life was just snatched right away from me. Wow. I was 24 years old in 1983, and I was locked up and accused of committing crimes in Atlantic City that I did not do. And I repeat that. I went to trial. My trial was a farce. But while I was fighting to go to trial, I started learning the law. Talk into the microphone. And I just wanted to eat up and read everything I could on the law. I started learning the law. And I started writing briefs. But so let's, just, let's, let's go, go back and talk about So one day you're working. Minding your own business on the ship, was, doing it. No, no, no. I was visiting, because uh, my job was I catch a ship to go out. I was visiting Atlantic City. I had okay. family down there. And some crimes happened, and somebody pointed me out. So that guy right there? Yeah. That looks like him. No, somebody who had been busted for selling an eight ball to the cops, undercover cops. Well, I think I know somebody who was good for this crime, Ronnie Long. Now, did you know this person? Yeah, he was a roommate of my brother. But what happened was, I was worried about it because I know I hadn't done it. They built the case right around me. I mean, they actually so 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 tell us what so tell us what that means when you say that they built a case around you. Talk to people because some people may be novices. Okay, like me. And this is what happened: how innocent people are falsely convicted or wrongly convicted. They Built, when I say built the case, they got a boss witness to point the finger at me. They recruited a jailhouse witness to say that I confessed to him in jail. That should tell you the whole thing about the case right there. There was an eyewitness who cleared me from the murder. They had the eyewitness hypnotized and given amnesiac instructions. You will forget everything. You will not be able to remember. So essentially that to clear their memory... Yeah, and that's what they did. That will all be completely forgotten. Now, this was back in the 80s. They did stuff in the 80s that would be shameful now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so let's slow it down. So when you talk, t- tell yeah. me that term you called it again, where they hypnotize them. What's that called? That's called hypnosis. Hypnosis, okay. When they instruct somebody to forget, that's called amnesiac instructions. You are hypnotizing an eyewitness to a murder scene and giving him instructions to forget everything because the description that he gave them cleared me. Oh, wow. Okay, but I, I, I want to go back to the, the reason why I'm here is because I want to speak to wrongful convictions, and I mainly want to make an appeal to Governor Murphy, Lieutenant Governor Sheila Oliver, and the Attorney General in What's New the Attorney Jersey. General's name? The Attorney General's name is... And we uh, can get that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have, we can get I, that. I, we can get that. But anyway, Gabriel Graywell was the attorney general when I came home. He started the New Jersey Conviction Review Unit. What year was that? That was 2019. 2019, okay. And Gabriel Graywell, he did that because of three other brothers who had been falsely accused and DNA cleared them. No, two other brothers. And, you know, we all came in the system together, came up in the system together. Matthew Pluck. Platkin. Yeah, Matt, Matt Yeah. So okay. that's the New Jersey attorney. So let, let's yeah. let's let's slow this down. Okay. So I want to make sure we don't miss any important facts. Okay. So one day you're working, mm-hmm. having life, just like a normal citizen in Philly. And next day, Ronnie, the cops came here looking for you. So you go back home to Philly, and right. his mom, because you told My us. My mom is a deputy sheriff, and I knew that they were not going to shoot me. They were not going to beat me. They said Ronnie shot somebody and killed somebody in Atlantic City. Wow. I what is that like in. when you come home and you have that conversation with your mom, who was an active detective at the time? I said, Mom, I didn't do it. And Was I that turned, enough for her? Yes, it was. I turned myself Gotta in. Gotta love a mother. With my mother. My mother stuck with me for the entire time I was away. Wow. And when I came home, I had a very soft landing as opposed to, you know, people coming back to squalor and whatnot. And mom and dad and snowbirds. I come home, everybody's doing good. Everybody got their own homes and cars and stuff. 
hey, did we get rich? And y'all forgot to tell me, <laughs> you know. But uh, so, I had a very soft landing when I came home. So let's nice. let's go back to nice. where the police come to your home. They went to my mom's home. They went you know, to, but they did not push past her and try to search her house or anything like that. And so now and your mom reaches out to you. She said, "Ronnie, the cops came here looking for you." Wow. So I turned myself in. Now mom, with your mother. January seventh, nineteen eighty-three. Okay. I was cleared of all three of the crimes almost immediately. Now how how was that, how did that happen? Because they they like I said they built the case. They held me and held me and said, if you don't talk, you got to take the weight. And they wanted me to assist in the story. I said, listen, I had nothing to do with it. I know nothing. I don't have anything to say. But my story is just not me. And that's why I'm here. Back then, there was no such thing as DNA. Right. right. DNA came out in the 80s. It was only on rape cases. Right. Mm. Yeah. Then I learned in 1997 that I could get DNA from a cigarette butt mm-hmm. to prove my innocence. I've been fighting for DNA for over 25 years, and they kept saying, deny, deny. Under what grounds, excuses. Ronnie? Under what grounds did they, they deny okay, that? Okay, the first time they denied DNA, that was before the DNA post-conviction law came in. They said it wouldn't make a difference because he confessed to his fellow inmate in jail. Denied it. While I'm on the pill... They changed the story, said we lost the evidence. Mm. And it was denied for that reason. I came back, I used the Open Public Records Act, and I was uh, I was a scientist using the Open Public Records Act because I had different agencies going against each other. Look, give them whatever you want. I found the evidence in 2005, and they've still been denying me to get DNA testing. Mm. When I left prison and 2019, I had filed a motion in 2018 to get DNA off of bullet shell cases. That's some brand new science. Right. And they fought me as they continued to fight me to not get DNA. And that's how I attracted Robin Lord. You heard of Robin Lord? I have not. Tell us who Robin is. Robin Lord is New Jersey's female white Johnny Cochran. Okay. Everybody who is in the legal field knows who Robin Lord is. She took on case. She's, she took it pro bono, but she's one of those lawyers that you need at least a $50,000 retainer or $100,000 retainer. I could never, ever afford that kind of lawyer because had I been able to get that type of lawyer, I would we'll never have been convicted. Time right. in jail. Right. So, so when you were originally arrested, mm-hmm. how much time did you spend behind bars? Because I heard you say a moment ago that you were almost immediately cleared of the three charges. Right. So did they keep you for a couple of days I and then they let you go? Three years while they built their case around me and they kept offering me deals to come lower and lower and lower. What said, was the original amount of time if you if you are comfortable sharing that? Oh I'm I'm telling you everything. I, I have no secrets. My case is is in one law book at least. But they kept coming lower and lower. He said, listen, first plea bargain they offered Life served 30 years. I said, no, I'm not even taking a deal. Don't even come at me with a plea bargain. Then they said, okay, you throw the murder out. You plead guilty to shooting the guy that told us that it wasn't you. 40 years, get out in 20. Throw the murder out. 30 years. For someone who's innocent. That's not even a 10 years, serve five. I said, no matter what. So when we went to trial, now, hold on, 10 years, they offered you 10, but served five. Wow. Yeah. And at this time, you only had three of the five oh, already I, in. Yeah. Right, I could have been out. Right. I could have been out a long time ago. When I went to trial, my trial was a straight 80s lynching. Okay, I had a racist white judge. They paraded me all throughout the courthouse. So did they adjudicate your, your case in Atlantic City, or was it in Philly? Maze Landing. Jersey. Oh, that's but way had, down in there. With a bunch of good old boys. When I started trial, I was hobbled all throughout the courthouse like spectacle, like dead man walking. Mm-hmm. Uh, like with, John Coffey. Yeah, with, with chains on my ankles. Mm. And I asked the judge if I could have the shackles removed so I could walk. Because they already had like five shirts. Did you, were you like in a jumpsuit or did they like oh, no, a wet no, suit? No, no, in my clothes. Going okay, to okay. The judge says... I don't care if they bring him here in the back of an armored van naked with guard dogs. That came out of the judge's mouth. Wow. Wow. 
I'm a little taken back. And you know, and it was the only issue that I raised to the New Jersey Supreme Court as part of my case. But DNA, when DNA came out, I had a whole different fight. And I started fighting, and I kept fighting, but in the meanwhile, I'm fighting for everybody else because all our cases are pretty much the same. Racist prosecutor, prosecutor in my case, pranced around the courtroom trying to talk like a black man. He said, look, Ma, no race. This case is not about race. Ronnie Long don't discriminate against his victims. He shoots white people and black people. Mm -hmm. And he called me... Uh, the guest of honor, like you know, the guest of honor, uh, uh, city court, the guest who's coming to jail. Yes, yeah. yes. But the worst yes. part was he called me a brother. And when he called me a brother, he held up an autopsy photo of a white victim. And he just played that race card. All throughout the all trial. All throughout the trial. I guess I'm. But uh, here's the thing that, that I, I think that, and, and they kind of do away with it now, whereas though they don't have you shackled up in court. During trial, because you look so threatening. Oh, I, you know what I'm saying? Actually, actually, not so in New, maybe not as much in New Jersey, but I, I have had a seen case it. Of all the hundreds of cases that I worked on, I had a case overturned for that same exact reason. James Bateman. I did all the legal work in that case. Okay, the death penalty was uh, enacted back in uh, 1980 or 81. 1980 and 81 and it, here in New Jersey. Right, and it became effective in 1982. Okay. And so somewhere between 35 and 40 people were sentenced to the death penalty in New Jersey. I was number 17. Wow. So you know how the numbers went up. Uh, they, the state recognized that the death penalty was operating unfairly all across the country mm -hmm. and couldn't be ignored. And the Supreme Court of the United States, with Clarence Thomas, was making it easier to execute people. Mm. and streamline death penalty cases. They came out in 2000, uh, wait a minute, uh, 19, I believe it was 1996, the Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act. And that was to streamline death penalty cases. Bill Clinton was the one that signed that into law. Mm. And when New Jersey realized that they were spending millions and millions of dollars on the death penalty and nobody was being executed because the lawyers were and they get money, you know, they get more money for a death penalty case than they get for any other case and come up with all kinds of strategies and everything just to save somebody's life. And it was spending millions and millions of dollars. So New Jersey, uh, just like they enacted the death penalty, they uh, repealed it. Wow. Mm. So now New Jersey is life without parole. But for a lot of people that were sent to death, like my wife talked about trauma, um, I, I, I probably am traumatized. Most wow. definitely. PTSD. Did you get any type of therapy PTSD. since you've been home? And no, I'm, I'm a therapist. For yourself? I, for everybody. But who's the therapist for you? you? I, my wife. But I'm the therapist for everybody. I'm Uncle Ronnie. I'm Ronnie the counselor. And a lot of times people have their answers right there. You just have to pull them out of. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, uh, I always say I had a master's degree in common sense. I, I never went past <laughs> uh, 12th grade. And I got some college credits, and I think I got an associate's. I'm not even sure about that. Did um, you Did you ever think about pursuing your education no. while you were incarcerated? No. Okay. I never thought about it because I all I, once I got into the fight, for me is the disloyalty that I'm fighting against. How do they react to that? Like, when they, you come into contact and engage with they, these people who have gone to school, they got these very excellent. I mean, I have an MBA. I think I'm fairly smart, but I'm very street smart as well. Um, these people have a lot of academia and letters behind their names. Mm -hmm. You know, they wear that like a badge of honor. So how do they engage with them? Do they think you're not qualified because you don't have your JD? They look down on me, but... When they find out that I did certain work, it's like, damn. This is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> so why not become a lawyer? Uh, I don't need to. Um, what I need to do now is to enjoy the rest of my life with my wife. Right. And the work that I do, it's like, okay, I can pick and choose. 
you know, I would rather help somebody who's innocent. I would rather spend the time. Okay, I got a case over in Pennsylvania that I started working on. I actually finished it. Brother been locked up 52 years for... Mm. I mean, Lou, you said that how many years? This, Jeez, he was an accomplice to a murder. He got a brand new car, brand new red car. He get these two brothers to ride to the uh, Shelton Mall. I live out in that way. And they both get out. One comes back and gets in the car. He just stabbed the other one. Mm. Street murder. The brother with the new car won't talk. He won't tell. William Bartlett. Mm. He's locked up with the brother that did the stabbing. They both get convicted and sentenced to life. In Pennsylvania, life without parole means life without parole. Yes. So that's William, for the rest of the remainder of your natural the life. Of your life. That's, that's you never gonna get out. William Bartlett, the brother that I'm helping. Only way you can get out is through the government. The brother that I'm helping. He gets into a fight with the police, and they gave him another life sentence. Did someone die? No. They, it was just well, a fight. How, they beat they beat the hell out of him too. You can just but imagine how do you that. get another hmm. life sentence if someone another, doesn't? They gave him another life sentence because he was a life sentence parole. I mean, a life sentence prisoner who assaulted uh, an officer. And so, a life sentence prisoner is somebody who ain't got nothing to lose. Right. Yeah. Right. They give you another life sentence. That's that's only like okay, we're gonna give you. Another one, what you got, but they're both running together, like without parole. They're running concurrent. Mm. So, they can't run consecutive. Because yeah, right. <laughs> right, right, you ain't right, like you're going right. to die and come, come back, back and do the yeah. next one. Right. Okay, so, so the, way wanna... that, the, way, the way that you uh, pursue clemency, because that's the only way you can come home is clemency, is you have to have community support. You have to have people who believe in them. You have to tell his story the way it is. He was so ignorant when he was 21 years. This is something that I say when I mention to guys. Don't get in that car. You see them guys in that car? Don't get in that car because whatever they do, you're going to be blamed 100% for it. Mm-hmm. And whatever they did before you got in that car, you're going to be blamed. So this is just one of the cases that I'm working for, working on, uh, is to get this brother William Barton home 52 years. Wow. And, you know, his daughter, his daughter was the one that reached out to me. She was two when he got locked up. Tearing families apart. Right. She's 54. She want to get her dad home. A grandmother raised her and a little brother because her mom put them in orphanage. And in 2009, her brother passed away. She had to tell her father. You know, her son died. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in 2018, the grandmother passed away. So she's all, he's all she has. Right. So now, only person that he has is his daughter. Wow. So let me ask you this. When, with, all the cases that you've gotten people off, they weren't. It sounds like it's just foul play with the prosecutors, the court system, them burying evidence. It's not something where, though, someone may have said something, and you may found them saying something in the discovery that may have made them uh, more guilty or made them guilty than what they were. It just seemed like it's just all foul play, or just them just burying evidence or them just not letting evidence come to the table so this person so these people can get out. That's how the system works. But you know, if you have a good lawyer, the difference between a good lawyer and a you know, run of the mill court appointed lawyer is that the good lawyer is gonna delve into the facts, look into the facts. Most lawyers don't do that. They hear Is it because they're overloaded with cases? That's one reason, because they overloaded and they might not like the client. Mm. They work for a client that they don't care if he's convicted or not. Mm -hmm. They're not spending any time with his case. So, I actually came up here and I gave a lecture to 50 uh, public defenders when I first came home. In 2019? Yeah, 2019. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I told these lawyers who I am and where I came from and I urged them I said somebody in here is going to be a good lawyer most of y'all are going to be failures ah! I said, but that went over real well in, the <laughs> one person went, the one person in here that's going to be a good lawyer and maybe two are going to be the ones who won't look the other way I said when you know something is wrong and you see it you call it like you see it 
don't look the other way. Right. I said, that's going to be the great lawyer in this room right here. Mm -hmm. I said, because a lot of innocent people get buried because we had poor lawyers. Poor representation. Poor representation. And then I talked about some of the briefs that I wrote that are published decisions that are in the law books. So tell us where some of your work and the work that you've done for others is published and we can find it. Okay. Others can find it. Okay. Uh, what I will do is... Um, I think I put them. Did I put them on my page? I'm not sure if I put. We them. will. We will get that information you know, from I'm, you. I'm. I'm gonna put them on the page. Also, some of the guys <laughs> that did still alive. Right. Like right. Uh, Mike Howard, he was convicted of murder. I got his case overturned, and he's on. He was on life sentence. And uh, who else was on there, Dave? Uh, but anyway, what I'll do is. You that's what that. I should do. I should see some people don't want their cases like brought back up for whatever reason. Right. Right. Yeah, right. But right. Right. I do have um, I do have a record. I do have a gotcha. record. Can I ask you a question? So what's your like thirty two and oh? Oh no, that thirteen and oh is vice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about what your cases. Are you like thirty two and oh, oh or more no, than that? I, no, they it's it's a lot of cases that I work on. Most of them I don't win. Gotcha. But Why? The ones, but the ones that I do win, it's like, okay, I got somebody's attention. Yeah. You know? Does yeah. that make it any easier? And again, go ahead, JMC. I want to give you Well, because he said he lectured to the public defenders. Is it safe to say, I guess, and I know this is a, is, is a question that I shouldn't have to ask, but I'm going to ask for people who might want to know. It takes a lot of courage, I assume. Because those public defenders got to be courageous not to look the other way in some cases. Well, it was their boss who actually called it together, Gerald Russo. And, and tell us who that is. Joseph Russo, he was in charge of the public defender appellate section here in Newark. Okay. Mm. Oh, wait, we ain't playing good, right? In Newark, right? <laughs> and they started the Conviction Integrity Unit. They just grabbed that name. Conviction Integrity Unit. It's a public defender. Public defender, uh, post-conviction unit. And the reason that I went there is because, I, you know, he called me there to talk to the lawyers because a lot of lawyers they learn as they go along and I have other lawyer friends that I'm growing and talk to them and you know just speak from the heart you know and some of them that I knew a lot of public defenders they move on to become prosecutors or judges or they move on to so it's like a stepping stone in it's some like cases a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. you know all of my lawyers they said that I was good luck for them both my Trial lawyers, they both became judges. Wow. Um, uh, one Have you ever wife. had any communication with them? I did. I did. And, and What's that uh, been like? Well, one of them I stayed in contact with, that's uh, Jack McPhilly. He was, before he came, to, uh, before he was assigned to represent me, he was a Camden County prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And then they wow. assigned him as my trial lawyer. You know, he had less than three months to defend me, but we stayed in touch. And... You know, we talked, and he became the first. He was a municipal judge, and he became the presiding judge down in Camden County. Mm -hmm. But we stayed in touch. Nice. And uh, my uh, other judge, my other lawyer, black lawyer, James Jackson, he became a judge right in Atlanta County, and he's still on the bench right now. All mm -hmm. right. You know, shout out to Judge Jackson. Well, let me tell you about Judge Jackson. He oh said, wait a minute, do I gotta recant? He said, "Now this is I'm going to you know face the death penalty, Ronald." I'm not going to sell you out. We're not going to sell you out. But after your case is over and you go through the process and everything, we still got to come back here. I said, Mr. Jackson, you just told me that you're going to sell me out. Yes, you did. Without telling yes, me. Yes, you did. Yeah, right. Yes, you did. Yeah, I said, you just Judge told Jackson, me I'm disappointed in you. James Jackson. James I'm going to be, lo be looking wow. you up, buddy. Wow. But you know what? He's been I'm mainly surgical working with in this family writing things. You know, he's been mainly working in family courts, right? You know. Uh, he probably didn't have the stomach for to the do the dirty, the dirty stuff in the criminal courts. Mm -hmm. But if you unpack something like that, right? Uh -huh. Just, just uh -huh. unpack that, right? Just think of it like if he's thinking like this, right? Mm -hmm. Just imagine how many others are thinking like exactly. This. Oh, just I know imagine I did that. they, 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 they probably people. breeding them like this. They yeah. breeding them this yeah. way. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So you look the other way. I mean, he's already a criminal, right? right. Yeah. So it's already stacked crimes. against you, right? The minute you step in, in the courtroom, it's already stacked against you. You're guilty. You have to prove yourself. That so is, that we is talked 
a little bit about how expensive, when we started to talk about the death penalty, mm-hmm. we started to talk about how expensive it is to have folks on death penalty. How much money do they invest in prisoners on death row and those that are in general population? What's an approximate uh-huh. amount of money that's okay. spent per Since prisoner? the death penalty is off the table. Yes, yes, those life sentences. Okay, it costs approximately fifty to $75,000 per year per prisoner. And that is the cost. Now, all and this is in the state of New Jersey, right? Yeah, the state and approximately, off the top of your head, how many prisoners do you think we have? Well, if you had to give out a number. just well, I remember at one point it was over 40,000 yeah, inmates well, no, in the state was, of New Jersey. It was as high as, as, as 40,000. I think right now it's about uh, 12 or 13. I had to look that up. So okay. it's, it's, a very, it's a very lower number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of brothers that had life sentences in New Jersey that did 30 years. Some are coming home like 34, 35, 36 years. They are coming home now because mm-hmm. they know that it's, it's costing a lot of money to keep to them in prison. Do you think there's enough support out there for people who are coming home from these extended incarcerations? You know, what? what is, what? how do we help people, right? Whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent, right? You had a soft landing, but that right. is a rare case, right? But I'm still struggling. When I tell you I'm struggling, I'm living way, way, way above my means. <laughs> Many of us are, hence and, my new sneakers. Yeah. And, um, uh, and you know, I, I, take on a, I take on a lot of work because, you know, I'm more compassionate about that. Right. And, you know, I love to win. It's that winning feeling. I love to get somebody home. Right. You know, and, um. Do you live vicariously through that? Like, being that you're wearing it? I live vicariously. Look, my wife would say, I can just sleep at my desk or I might be up at my desk two, three o'clock in the morning. I ain't no Working on a case. And, you know, still cracking on this one case. Mm -hmm. Okay. Two laptops. (laughs) So how do you know how to pick your cases? Because I'm sure if I hear about somebody like such as yourself and I know I got a loved one and I may feel they're innocent and I come to you, how do you pick your cases? Because I know you don't just take everybody that comes to you. I can't. I can't take it. But the way that I pitch a case, I mean the way a case is pitched to me, if it's a case where a person is innocent, then you know that moves all the other ones out the way and get to the top. Takes of the line. precedent for you, okay? But maybe I missed something, and maybe the people um, that are viewing probably missed. So, did you? Did, how did you get released? Were you? Was it time I served? No, I was paroled. Parole. So did you have parole. to? So you wasn't exonerated. I have to say that I committed the crime, which oh, is made so me different. <laughs> but you, but but you weren't exonerated. Not yet. But Not I'm still yet. in okay. the process of being exonerated right now. So you still have a case pending. I am in the process of being exonerated through the state. Uh, I dropped my DNA argument for finally after 25 years last year. Mm-hmm. So that the conviction review unit, nothing is stopping them from taking from a look taking at you. my case. And I was the first one I had to hear him. I went there with Jim McGreevy and Joe huh. Tuxedo, mm-hmm. Gail Muhammad. You know Gail Muhammad? I don't. Okay. I know the name. Yeah. So, she's so your case judge. is still being reviewed? Yeah. And case. what's the next step for your case? I don't know. Okay, I don't want you to share anything that. Well, no, no, no. no. I really don't know because, okay. you know, it could come from anywhere. My case is already in the highest offices of the state, which is the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general. And as I said, when I started, I'm really appealing to just those three people. Gotcha. And, you know, it's not just for me. I, you know, I stress that it is. When I, when I sent that letter to the governor in February, it was, it was the letter that everybody, every death row prisoner, Writes to a governor, dear governor, help me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just me. Mm-hmm. I was I was in that letter for every prisoner throughout the country who, because the governor's the top dog. It's right. like uh, we're partners, and I'm trying to 
get out for mm-hmm. 20 to 52 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. the governor can look at this case and say, okay. Is that what they call clemency? That is clemency. He can give him clemency. He can commute his sentence to the amount of time that he has served and release him. He can release him or parole for the rest of his life, but release him. Do you have parole, Ronnie? Yeah, I have parole. I have, um, technically, I have parole. For the rest of your life? Well, no, so I'm exonerated. I can go anywhere I want in the country. You You don't have those kind of restrictions. I don't have none of those restrictions. And, you know, I spent a lot of time in Florida with my mother back here. But when I was granted parole, it was the same setup right here. Bottle of water. And I'm like, oh. Hmm. And you had to sit in front of how many people? 15 member parole board. That's so intimidating. Wait, wait. They did me a favor. They brought me an audience. About 35 students. Hmm. Wait. 35 students. Okay, so I walk in the room. I already know that these people are going to deny me. And I already know that I'm smarter than every one of them. In the fucking room. And I'm the smartest guy in the room. And these kids are my audience. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> I got a room full of audience, so I got a room full of witnesses. Now, if they thought that they were going to like make mincemeat out of me in front of these kids. They would have never brought them. Look, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't have been enough for my kids. No. I went in there and I held court. I didn't care if I got parole or not. All around, each person around the room questioned me. And in the end, they believed me. What were they mm-hmm. asking you? Just at a high level summary, what kind of questions? Mr. Long, I've seen one of your appeals, uh, you seeking DNA and court said that pretty much wouldn't help you, sir. I said, sir, I'm glad you brought that up. I said, in terms of DNA, I've been fighting for so many years to get DNA testing. You have to first do the DNA testing, get the results back, then you can tell the man. But you haven't even done that. They never gave me the DNA testing. And, you know, you should ask the question, why? Exactly. That I never got the DNA testing. And you know what? The governor right now go order the DNA testing in my case, the Head prosecutor, the attorney general, they can order it now. That's what I've been fighting for since 1997 to get DNA tested mm-hmm. to prove my innocence. But when I went in there, that parole did board, you? When you walked in there, did you have hope? Oh yeah, I had hope. I knew one thing: they were going to listen to me. I know that's right. I ain't going there with no paperwork, no files, none of that. All that was up here, and each one of them. Do you me. have representation? Do you have an attorney with no, you? No, not a parole. Not, not a parole. parole. You don't have a lawyer. Okay. You know. That's his day. So, of course. I'm, I'm answering everybody's questions. And, you know, I'm trying to see, well, who's going to be the challenge, right? Who's going to really give me, like, the hard questions? The first two that denied me parole in 2014, they did too. Mm. Mm. They said parole did not come back in eight. You gave me an eight-year hit. I come back in four years. So this is the four years I'm coming back. So they asked me questions. I answered their questions. They want to know, well, how come you don't have no charges? Were you manipulating the system? I said, no. The system was manipulating me because a lot of times I wanted to kill somebody in prison. How did you hold your composure under that type of duress? Because there wasn't duress. It was like an opportunity to speak. That's why I'm here. You have the patience of Job. Hey, There's right. no way. <laughs> Shit, 37 yeah. years. You just yeah. have a lot of patience. Yeah. So when we got all around the room, the, the one lady said, Mr. Long, can you tell us the difference between the 1997 parole act and the 1979 parole act? 79-97. And I said, yes. Under the 79 act, you have to show preponderance that the person will commit another crime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Under the 97 Act, it's the person has to show that they will not commit another crime. She said, yes, yes, that's right, that's right. I said, okay. So 
Then it got to the point of me getting them overturned in other cases. Mm-hmm. And Rockstar, mm-hmm. you know, I told them that. That means that in, in the Stout case, I got overturned like three times. In Art Davis case, I got that overturned. And I said, that means that I was right and y'all was wrong. And they started laughing because they loved me. By this time, the hearing is almost over. I said, because I told them about decisions. They asked me some of the other cases that I worked on, and I told them. And but why is that even relevant in your That's what I'm thinking. Because like, you're here parole is about anything they want it to be about. They got 23 factors, and a couple of them factors are like, okay, well, what are these? But the main thing is, is that they have to be satisfied that they're not going to release you and you go out there and commit another crime. Mm-hmm. Well, they knew for me. I told them, listen, you're not considering parole for a guilty man. You're considering parole for an innocent man that should have never been there. Mm-hmm. That's how it got. So do they tell you that day that you're granted parole? Yes. yes. What yes. was that moment like for you? This happy. Mm. I called my buddy. Mm. Wow. And I told him, come on. And my dad. Wow. And my daughter. Well, tell us about you. You, you had a daughter that when, you, when you were arrested. My son. Ask, go that ahead. One, uh, how, was your, how did your family cope with that yeah. false incarceration? Like, how did you, because yeah. I know, like, if you're my dad, yeah. and I know you, <laughs> and you get incarcerated wow. in such a way, Let me tell you day by day, year by year, that's got to be tough. Let me tell you about my son, uh, your namesake. My son, my namesake. Uh, when I got locked up, he was one, almost two. Mm. And I, I didn't see him until the next time he was nine years old. And he was, you know, waiting for me to come home all his life. I wasn't there. He went to Marine Corps. Mm. He's a Marine. I'm a Marine. That's one thing we do about kids. Discipline. So, the last two years of me in prison, me and Ryan talked on the phone every day. Mm-hmm. And when I was released, he lived in Virginia. When I was released, he brought his family up and he had a four-day weekend. And I never seen him again after that. He died. No. Saving somebody else's life. He jumped in the water. Whoa. He drowned. Mm. Saving somebody else's kid. Mm. I grieve for my son every day. Every day. Wow. Huh. Mm. My daughter was seven. Come home. I'm she's sorry. Super. Sorry for the loss. She's a super insurance woman. My daughter is like an insurance adjuster. What's her name? Jerry Taylor. I'll hook you up with We shouting you out, Jerry. <laughs> Jerry Taylor. Shouting you uh, out. She's very pretty and she's very, very smart. She, well, I wonder where she got that from. <laughs> I wonder where she got that yeah. from. But uh, my son, you know, a lot of a lot of black boys don't grow up with strong black father right. role right. models. Right. And figures, you're right. So I took that on in prison that I want to raise black men to be black men. Mm-hmm. I salute uh, you for that. I took that on myself. I didn't, you know, that's your calling, that's your calling. And everybody looked at me as a lawman. I had the most protection in every prison. Whatever prison <laughs> sure, I went to. Sure, yes. Ronnie Long is in the building. What? Or they called me Africa. At one time I changed my name to Robert Africa. Okay. <laughs> I can imagine. They changed when you... my name back to Long. They said, oh, man, he just, they scared him in to change his name back. Oh, told me if some guys didn't know that. Yeah. Some people still call me Africa. Okay. And some people know me as Ronnie Long. And some people are ignorant to argue that who's the better paralegal jailhouse lawyer between Africa and Ronnie Long. <laughs> it's the same I person. Long, get him. <laughs> oh, man. African, African, he eat him up. And, you know, so like, I, I mean, actually, this stuff is going to be a movie. 
You know, I went wow. to Samuel Jackson's play me in my movie, but nice. I ah, heard yes. speaking into existence. Yeah. Yes. I actually heard all of those conversations. And yeah. you know, I used to be a paralegal in Trenton State Prison. I used to walk and hold and the dungeons like a bunch of rats and stuff like that. I mean it's a real filthy prison. But I used to go through there and then they kicked me out, send me to Northern State, they got the gang you the ASIC. And I go through the gang of the ass and I said, don't call me with them. <laughs> I ain't coming up there. Wait till I get up. It's like, who is this? So did like right during on. all your years incarcerated, did you ever have like, like when you transferred from one facility to right. a next, your repre- reputation reached there before you go? Oh, yes, yeah, in every prison. Right. Yeah, every so prison did you like... Prison. Did you have to go to that indoctrination every time you went to a new facility? Well, like they, they have, um, you know, when you first get there, it's like um, quarantine for a couple of days and mm-hmm. get you new clothes and stuff like that. But everywhere I went, I got showered with stuff. Everybody sending me stuff. Wow. Canteen, stamps, envelopes, you know, you need a radio. Everywhere I went because of who I was and, the and work how you I carried doing. myself. And Officers eventually used to come to me, sergeant. I mean, officers that want to make sergeant. I know the New Jersey administrative code like front and back of my hand. So I helped a lot of officers with the testing, and they become wow. sergeants. Mm. And then I helped a lot of sergeants become lieutenants, and they become lieutenants. Mm-hmm. And then one lieutenant, he went to Clinton, and you heard about them fourteen cops that got yeah, 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 yeah. 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 He goes to Clinton and he's in ministry, St. Wow. Paul. <laughs> That's my boy, right? Wow. Well, so I can imagine every time you travel from prison to prison, you I was know, packing so. up so much stuff. I know. Yeah. So much paperwork, they, they, so much they, books. You know, they steal your stuff. You know, yeah. they steal your property. You know, mm. they put all your stuff out there and they have inmates' property they call packing them like. Mm-hmm. Oh, he ain't going to get everything. Mm-hmm. You know, but I've been through all that. Right. That is, you know, it's just part of. So what is so what is life like now for Ronnie Long? We know you're still in the fight. You're still fighting for prisoners that are wrongfully convicted. But what what's a a good day like for you? Where you get to enjoy yourself? Every day I'm like on twenty four hour mom duty called taking care of my mom. She's four houses down the street. Okay. And she's getting ready to go back to Florida next week. I'm not sure. Me and my wife drive back down there, Mm -hmm. fly down there, whatever. But a typical day for me is to be sitting at my desk, cracking on a case, listening to CNN or MSNBC, and just cracking on a case that I want to win. I might run up to the post office or something like that. But um, I'm one of them husbands that's home every night. (laughs) (laughs) I know when I was a kid, I could have used you, Ronnie. Yeah. So, all the shit, all the shit I got flamed at at my house when I was a kid growing up. So, fellas, hit, hit, let's let's come with your closing thoughts for Ronnie. Well, the the one thing I was gonna say to Ronnie is that you done amazing work, and for thirty seven years, of uh, you've been a pillar uh, within the penal system, and amongst a lot of people that didn't have hope, you gave them hope. Yeah, yeah. you gave them hope, and yeah. you gave them something that they couldn't they probably could never repay you if they wanted to they know, couldn't yeah, repay you you understand what I'm saying so you did you did amazing and wonderful you made a, a bad situation and turned it into being able to help many right yeah. you understand what I'm saying right. so I took my hat to you I salute Thank you for that absolutely. you understand what absolutely. I'm saying because you didn't have to do what you've done you could have just fought your your case alone was enough for you to just to sit there busy. and fight that by yourself and, and, more let, and more or less take on other people's responsibility. But you know what it is? I always subscribe to the belief, and I ran the veterans group in Trip State Prison when I was in that. I bet you they had badges for everything you did. Just Your sleeve would be But I always, I always live by the principle that the more you do for others, the more you increase the value of your own self. Yes. Wow. Yes. 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 Words to live by. I, you know, I met some politicians, mm-hmm. you know, along the journey, and 
some uh, like Dr. Oz came to my church. And I put it on wrong church, buddy. I put it on Facebook. <laughs> He's a Trumper. This was last year, you know. But um, you know, I like to be a factor. Mm. And particularly I would like to have that conversation with the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the attorney general. Mm -hmm. And just to look at, let me just present you with a dozen cases. Just to look at a dozen cases and then I want you to send your people back to look into all these them. cases and to come back and give you an honest report. Now, if you think the cases were adjudicated fairly, right? Not only that, all these guys innocent. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, that's what I would like to do. That's your goal. Um, if there's a way that you know I could share that, um, you know, put it together and share it to get the governor's attention. I think we. I, I think this is where we need the listeners and the viewers to help us. If folks want to help propel that, can they write letters? Can they send it into their local politicians here in Jersey? If so, where can they send that information to? Okay, the person to send that to would be the office of the governor. Mm -hmm. And that's Phil Murphy, if you're, Phil Phil Murphy, if you're in New Jersey. State House. And that State House. P.O. Box, right. right. Box 001. Trenton, New Jersey, 08625. I do have, I do have one question, um, and it's actually currently going on. It has to do with um, today's music. Mm -hmm. um, right now, as we, um, what is like early this year, they incarcerated um, some rap artists just for the uses of their, their words. And um, do you agree that that's right to do? And if so, why or why not? Well, I don't agree that that's right because the lyrics is art. And Valid. It should stay 100% in the art column. Yes. Not say, okay, we're going to use your art as a statement against your interest to say that you did this crime. Gotcha. It should be completely, completely suppressed because it's not valid to the issue that you want. It's easy to, you know, get a guy talking. I always tell him, listen, when the cop come up to you, don't start running your damn yes. mouth. Yes. Now you're going to give them possible yes. cause yes. to search your car. Yeah. Yes. You know, yes. They come up to you, you keep your damn mouth shut. And that's, oh, that's, oh, that's added in the discovery as well. You understand what I'm saying? So, I have nothing to say. I have no statement, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the difference between them letting you go right now mm -hmm. or them holding you and finding what you got in that car. Running mm -hmm. your mouth. Yes. You know, don't run your mouth. That's all I can say. But I don't feel that, you know, artists should be uh, penalized based on their rap lyrics. I do know a guy who's on death row with me, Stephen Davis. He had a, a tattoo of a heart with a, with a one dagger? Of those, with dagger through it mm -hmm. and blood and all that, right? They showed that to his jury. He was on trial for murder of a white woman. Oh, oh that had nothing to do with nothing. nothing. But, but it but it wanted it, to help propel their, it, their, their... It put him right over the edge and sent him to death row. Wow. And he was on death row and he was a little fat, pudgy boy scared to death. Hmm. You know. But one thing that we knew about him was he was a killer for real. Wow. If he stabbed you with a with a knife, he stabbed you with an ink pen or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Dangerous. And he was well, really, really dangerous, yeah. you know. But the point is they used his tattoo. As a mechanism to, to presume his guilt yeah. or innocence. Well, Ronnie, yeah. this has been an interesting journey for me thank today. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart yeah. for not only the work that you continue to do, because it could have been very easy for you to step away from this work right. when yeah. you wasn't um, no longer incarcerated. But I, but I hope that folks out there who are listening or viewing that hear your story Know that there's work not only for Mr. Long to do, Ronnie to do, but there's work that we all can do individually to help support and pat, make sure some of this appropriate legislation gets passed so that people who are wrongfully convicted or just so people can get a fair trial. That's why we all need to be encouraged and be informed about our rights. Um, we need to be informed about what's happening in the cities that we live and we spend money and spend dollars. And most importantly, in the state of New Jersey, these high-ass taxes we pay, 
these people work for us and there's all kind of legislation out there that will help people who are wrongfully convicted and even those who have been who might be guilty but have been given time that is ridiculous and doesn't fit the crime you know what i'm saying so we want to make sure that you become active we want to mobilize people we want to thank Ronnie for coming in today and spending time with us and we're going to share when we post this show we're going to share information uh, again for those of you who are in New Jersey and even those of you who are outside of New Jersey help us push this forward we're going to share the information for the state house and the officer office of the governor who I voted for so I want to okay. know I want to see my work out there um, and we want to continue uh, we're going to post Ronnie's information again he is a very very busy man but he's fighting a good fight, and we want to make sure that we support him. We're also going to post his cash app here at the Vocal Lounge. We have nothing to do with that, but we do want to support Ronnie because, again, most of the work that he does, he does free of charge. And I think for the, the value and the skill that he brings, we want to support him in any way that we can. So with that being said, I'm going to punt over to my co-host, see if y'all have any closing calls. Um, closing, not calls, closing <laughs> words for the show today. I want to say, I want to send a shout-out to Ronnie. Give you your flowers while you're here, cause I, I really um, appreciate all that you've done. I know this is the first time we're meeting, but I have to say I'm very, very, extremely proud. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I'm extremely proud. It's been an honor, definitely. Definitely, definitely. absolutely. Definitely I don't take it lightly at all. Yeah. And then he brought his beautiful wife, but again, she's hiding off camera. We don't want to, you know, put the camera over there. <laughs> I mean, shout, shout out to her, cause I think that, that's Tamar. Yeah, Tamar. Shout out to her. Tamar. I think that's Israel Long. Yes, I think yeah. Hebrew sister. She is the very quiet, very silent type, but I know there's many very layers to her. Yeah, she gave us the shush. We better <laughs> obey that. So, yo, people, you know it's that time of the show. It's GYST. We can't end yes, our two yes. segment episode. Um, who wants to go first with the get I, your I, shit together? I, I can do it first. Um, I, and it is, this somewhat has something to do with the law, but it's traffic law. Um, oh God, not a running together. sign. Listen, my get your shit together is going out to those who drive. Now, those of us who drive, we've all taken the the written, the, the, we had to take the DMV. Written book. exam. Yeah, the red test. But prior to that, when you're turning left and you're making a left, the left is in the inside lane. When you turn left, you're supposed to turn in the inside left lane. Oh, yeah. There are people who are crossing over from to the, the right, right side <laughs> from the right. And almost, I almost saw two accidents this morning for people doing that. And then they they try to flop you with the finger when you're turning in the right. Because yeah. we can turn right on red in, in, in Jersey. So, like, you're almost causing an accident. You need to get your shit together or we need to legalize road rage. <laughs> uh, I might get your shit together. <clears throat> I don't know if Ronnie can help me with this, but I might need your help with this. I just had a birthday. Yeah. Dry ass Libras. Yes, I just had a birthday. And I'm getting all kinds of advertisement that displays my age. <laughs> <laughs> what, like AARP? Yeah, it's unwarranted. It's unwarranted. I didn't, I didn't act for this shit. <laughs> He's offended. You, the day of my birthday, I, I get this AARP. Either the day or the day before my birthday, I get this a, uh, something from AARP. Like, what what the hell they want, right? So I open it up and they say, like, oh, get your free um, thing you can put in your trunk, separate your grocery kind of thing. And it says, welcome to, I'm like, how did you even know? Why did you even know it's my birthday? Like, how did you it's even all know? public record. Like, so they can, so I guess they, every year somebody's turning that age and they just mass mail them, email them, everything. Listen. They need to get their shit together. Stop emailing my friend and sending him AARP stuff. Oh, your stuff coming? Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm pushing my age back. But listen. Um, Let me get mine before you do it. <laughs> okay, go ahead, please. My get your shit together would be to Trump supporters, especially oh. black ones. Oh, mm. wow. Y'all know this man is a crook. Among other know, things. Y'all know this man is a racist. Among other things. Y'all know this man will cheat steal, he will rob you, he hmm. will do all of that. Will a man rob and God the Bible says? Yes he will. Y'all still supporting him, y'all giving him, I heard this word mulligan, you ever heard of that word? Yes. Yes. Free pack. Well I never heard of the word mulligan, that's in, in golf. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well 
Trump gets a mulligan. All right, well, he didn't mean what he said. And <laughs> he didn't mean to say this. He meant something yes, else. And, you know, y'all know he's a collaborator with Russia. Mm-hmm. Y'all know he's a collaborator with all kinds of uh, dirty... Illegal uh, dealings. Evil doers. Mm-hmm. And he's making millions off of y'all Trump supporters, y'all black Trump supporters. Yeah. And... Hell, some of the white ones ain't right either. I would, but I'm, I'm mainly concerned about the black, the black Trump supporters because, you know, he need them to be at his concerts. You know, <laughs> right, right. Put in the back. They, yeah, sprinkle. I, I, you always see a couple yeah, of them sprinkled in there the, conveniently. With, with the red hat on, the student yeah. red hat. <laughs> and they, you know, they paid to be there. I about to say, they dug in their wallet to yeah. get this. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people say that uh, Trump is a racist, dirty uh, president, but he makes me a whole lot of money because I'm selling these shirts and I'm mm-hmm. bringing at his rallies and people, the ones that's, you know, the supporters, I tell y'all, get y'all shit together. Yeah, you heard it from Ronnie Long. Right. Listen, mine is normally long and drawn out, but I'm going to keep it short for the sake of, it does not require any additional commentary from Shy Money. Kanye West, and that white lives matter. You need to get your shit together. I don't have anything else. And yo, people, that is our 100th episode. Oh, nice, nice, We've nice. been going vocal for 100 episodes. We are celebrating. celebrating. But listen, I'm done. When we come back with our celebratory episode, um, we're going to uh, tell you another get your shit together. This one is hilarious. And again, we want to plug the cash app for Ronnie Long. It's t- dollar sign two zero one seven four nine RL. So if you want to be a blessing to him in any capacity, that's where you can do it. And with that get- being said, peep, we out. Jeez, that's good. Tune in to the Pod Squad.